If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, best-selling author, Daniel Wilcox. Hello and welcome to the Great Writer Share podcast with me, Daniel Wilcox, where every week I invite some of the friendliest and most hardworking writers around today to join me on the show and discuss everything that makes them tick, raw and bounce. Today's day is 31st of October. It is Halloween and uh, it kind of ties in nicely because I've got a bit of a sore throat thing going on, so I'm not sure if I'm going to lend my talents to maybe doing some voiceover for some horror stuff. We'll see. It's right down my alley so we can uh, we can enjoy that, but... Today, I am talking to the wonderful Sasha Black, um, who is someone who I met again at the 20 Books Edinburgh Conference. For those who have been listening to the show since it started, a lot of my guests have come from there, but I guess that's just a testament to how useful it is to go to these kinds of conferences. And um, she's not... We, we didn't get the chance to speak fully at the conference itself, and we've since been put in touch, and we've had a lot of talks, and we've had a lot of discussions, and I actually appeared on her podcast uh about a month or so ago, a couple, a few weeks ago, um, the Rebel Author podcast, which was uh, a really, really good experience. It was a chance to, for someone else to probe me for a change, which was quite nice. But um, yes, I enjoyed that. So Sasha is uh, very, very successful in the nonfiction world. She is a fantastic speaker. She has a, a series of her own in the fiction world. She sort of writes YA fantasy type stuff, and it's it's all uh, wonderful stuff to read. And yeah, she we, we go into a lot of stuff in today's interview. We dive into things like um, fear setting and Sasha's relationship with fear and how she kind of navigates things and a lot about how you have to get out of your own way in order to progress and uh, and develop. She go, we go into uh, being a rebel. She runs a rebel author podcast and she goes a lot into sort of how different elements of her life. She's become a rebel. Um, she's gone against the grain and how that's helped her to get to where she is now. And we go a little bit into a writing process as well, which is quite interesting because I've been watching her for a while on Instagram and she regularly features updates about how her books are going, how she plans her chapters, adding bits, removing bits. And I had the chance to break down uh, some of those images and go into a bit more detail about everything that was going on. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff coming up for this one. So stick around. But before we go into the main interview, I want to remind everyone that uh, over at www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare, you can get much more from the show. The Patreon page actually supports a lot of the efforts that go into the show. It helps pay for hosting, transcription, everything else that, that goes into um, producing the podcast. And we've got um, we've got a growing audience base over there, which is quite nice. We've got lots of people jumping into that group. And we do have a new patron this week which is the wonderful Mark McClure, who I will also apologise to publicly on air for um, an automation sequence. I actually got his name wrong when I introduced him into the Patreon group. So sorry, Mark. I know what your name really is, and I hope we can move forward from there. <laughs> um, but that does also mean that Mark gets entered into this week's monthly give uh, this month's monthly giveaway, in which we're giving away a copy of Libby Hawker's Take Off Your Pants and... I'm going to click a random number generator here and assign it to a person. And the winner of this month's giveaway is Harley Christensen. So congratulations, Harley. Um, I'll be getting in contact to make sure that book makes its way over to you. And next week in the show, I will be announcing the new book that we'll be giving away because we are currently going to be running a poll and doing a bit of a vote over what book is put up for grabs. So if you want to get involved in that, just jump over to patreon.com forward slash great writer share and you can get involved for as little as one dollar a month and now without any further ado i'm gonna jump straight into the interview with the one and the only sasha black (laughs) 
Sasha Black has five obsessions. Words, expensive shoes, conspiracy theories, self-improvement, and breaking the rules. She is the host of the brand new Rebel Author podcast and writes books about people with magical powers and other books about the art of writing. This year, Sasha also began editing the advice blog and managing the self-publishing advice conference for the Alliance of Independent Authors. When Sasha's not writing, she can be found laughing inappropriately loud, blogging, sniffing musty old books, fangirling film and TV soundtracks, or thinking up new ways to break the rules. Sasha, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much. It's really weird hearing somebody else uh, say that because I was nodding along the whole time. Because I'm like, oh, that's really <laughs> me. That is me. Yeah. yeah right down to it. It's, it's like he he just he's sitting next to me. He's in my mind and he just knows me. Exactly. Um, but. The, <laughs> thing is reading that intro i mean the the second part where you're talking about the blogging the sniffing musty old books i literally bought a book that came through yesterday which uh, i think was originally published in 1998 and i bought it second hand and the first thing i did was open up those yellow pages and just have like a big sniff and yep. it's it's nice when other people admit that they do it because i then don't feel so weird but what is it for you about that smell that um childhood so i have a very strange childhood and part of it uh i lived in a mansion that was owned by my great great possibly three greats possibly two greats i don't know my, one of my aunts anyway and she had like you know beauty and the beast and yes. the library she literally had one of those and she also had one of these corridors that had at the time they were like up to my neck um sized books with loads of old maps and sort of scriptures and blah 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 anyway and so the whole of my childhood just smells of musty old books so Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love it yeah that's incredible. So how old were you when you were living there? How long did you live there for? Um, I lived there twice. Uh, once, I think, was probably six months and the other time was closer to a couple of years. Wow. And yeah. do you think that's where your love of books birthed from or was it before then that you were... Oh, that is a good question. No, I think it comes from long, long, long before that. My mum always read to me. And when I was a kid, I literally read so much that we had to move libraries. We only had like a really small local library. So, <laughs> like we literally had to move libraries because I'd read everything in the children's section. And I'd also read pretty much everything on the mobile library as well. So we had one of the mobile libraries. Yep. So we had to go to like the next town um, to, um, yeah, go to a bigger library. Um, if I'd been more self-aware, I probably would have realised that I wanted to be a writer long before <laughs> I actually realised I wanted to be a writer. Um, but no, yes, I was a prolific reader as a child and I wrote stories as well. I was that geek who would rather go to the library at lunch and write a story <laughs> but, but yeah. that kind of thing seems to serve people well particularly when you get to this point because I think particularly growing up for me anyway and obviously I can't speak for everyone because we've all had different experiences but I know that I I was one of those people that I felt comfortable in a library but I didn't actually spend that much time in a library because of whatever stigma was around being some kind of geek being some kind of nerd not going out and playing outside with your friends and all that kind of stuff but I think there's there is something to be said about actually spending your time and indulging yourself in that stuff that does make you happy I mean has that been something that you've always just gone for have you always just kind of followed what it is that your, your heart wants yeah pretty much but I was um I've always been a bit of a rebel but also um <laughs> I just oh can I am I allowed to say naughty words or? yes absolutely okay yeah basically I didn't really give a fuck at school <laughs> I like and, that was followed um, by I'm a bit of a rebel <laughs> yeah I know but you, know, you never know if someone's got explicit lyrics or whatever you're fine, um, you're fine. <laughs> otherwise I'll censor myself no um yeah so when I like I was quite a bit of a loner at school really um and so you know when you're bullied for most of your school life you just end up not really giving a fuck so um yeah I I happily indulged and binge read and you know I had insomnia for, as a teenager as well so I would be reading until like four o'clock in the morning um nobody really knows if that was just because the books were awesome or just because of the insomnia but yeah so I've I've always always indulged in books and and the cinema and any any form of storytelling I can possibly get my hands on I will I will indulge in fact the year before my son was born I had one of those um unlimited card jobby what's yes. that you can get in the UK so for anybody who's not in the UK we have the chance to pay uh, a monthly subscription you can go to the cinema as many times as you want I shit you not I went 45 times the year what? before my son was born <laughs> <laughs> literally 45 times I only left twice as well 
<laughs> it's quite depressing. That's um, impressive because I remember a week where I tried to go to cinema a lot and I just ran out of films very quickly because there wasn't that much on the show. Yeah. So 45 yeah. times is impressive. Well, it was, yeah, it more or less became our weekly date night. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So at what point did that turn into writing? You say that you were around the time you were at school anyway, you were sort of dabbling in stories, writing and playing with words. So at what point did that start to turn into something a bit more serious, a point where you thought, OK, I can start to do something with this? Um, so I left university uh, and knowing that I had to get a proper job. So <laughs> I went and got a proper job and I got onto one of these um, delightfully dull management fast track, you know, fucking things. And within about five minutes of being there, I was like, wow, I really don't want to do this. Um, but it was too, too, too late. And, you know, you know, one gets money and money is nice. So I stayed. Um, um, but I needed somewhere to vent and to rant. So I started blogging anonymously, which is where my name comes from. Um, and yeah it it the blogging turned into writing it was more the writing that i was enjoying and then i sort of fell into flash fiction communities in in blogs and all of a sudden i was ferreting i say i royal i i made my wife go in the loft uh, <laughs> get down like all my old storybooks and i yeah it, it I, and it was near a nano as well i remember that and i just i was like right well you know, I'm going to do it. And yeah, I started a nano and got 52k, I think, in, in the first nano. And wow. I never, ever looked back. Um, it was all a pile of shit. Um, and I had to rewrite it twice from scratch. But that's not the point. Um, I formed the writing habit at that point. And yeah, and then I just didn't look back. I carried on blogging. I shared all of the lessons that I was learning along the way, um, which other people happened to find useful, um, which was great. And that's how I ended up writing the nonfiction. Um, yeah, so it just, it was, I blame Nano, basically. <laughs> I think Nano has started a lot of people's careers. I think it's yeah. it's something that can either make or break you and if it breaks you you'll be back the next year to try it again because yes. there's something addictive about it because I, I i failed my first two did you i did i've and never won one since no <laughs> no oh man maybe this year yeah, is it? I I am doing four days away are you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All planned out ready to go uh, <laughs> <Ish. the itch. laughs> okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna take this on a very selfish route um because i'm i'm very very interested in blogging at the minute and obviously, you've been blogging for how many years now? Oh, uh, seven or eight. Seven or eight years. So at the beginning of a blogger's journey, and essentially there might be some listeners out there that are thinking of going down the blogging route. And I know that there is a uh, there's a use to blogging in that it can keep you accountable. It's really good at, like you say, sharing your journey and sharing things you're doing. It's a good way to also, um, I guess, process what you're learning along the way. How do you begin or how did you begin that blogging journey? Because one of the things that I've seen personally and with other people is the most difficult thing to do is knowing what to write about and how to thread that across to information that's put out regularly. How did you start your, your journey? Um, well, I was a selfish cow and I did it because I was senile. Like literally, I cannot be any more honest than that. I um, I have a very poor short term memory um, and combined that with a complete obsession for learning the writing craft. And you have a problem. So I was <laughs> like, how do I remember all of this stuff that I'm learning? So I literally wrote down the things that I was learning. Um, and it just so happened that other people found that useful. So that is how I literally, I mean, when I started my blog, it I, it went through two iterations before it got to where it was or where it is now. So I um, ranted about work and very quickly stopped doing that because I realised what I was doing <laughs> um, and the dangers that somebody could find out. Um, and then um, we had some fertility problems and it sort of became a bit of a fertility blog. Um, and then I, after when I got pregnant, I then was like, no, I'm going to be the person that I want my son to see. I suppose you know I want to show him that anything is possible and that really narrowed my focus and vision so I got rid of everything else 
and started again essentially um and 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 genuinely like I am joking a little bit but also I am genuinely senile and I really did need somewhere to put the lessons <laughs> um and so yeah I just everything so the way that I came up I guess you're kind of I think you're asking about content and how you kind of find your audience or whatever so mm. every time um I read a book I was going to show you one of my books but every time I read a book I have sticky notes and a pencil and every time I know that's sacrilege to somebody who's listening goes she what she marks a book yes yes I do <laughs> um uh and every time I either see I don't know perhaps a wonderful piece of dialogue or I see some beautiful prose or I see something that's a really good characterization I'll pencil market and I'll stick a sticky tab in at the end I would collate all of those and I would um I started out handwriting them up and then stopped that because that took forever um (laughs) so I would then type them up and I would then chunk them so I'd be like okay well this book has got say 15 quotes about characterization and only two about description so this author must be really good at characterization so then I'd go through and I would like deconstruct them to a forensic level well is it something about the grammar is it something about the word choice is it verbs is it the flow of the sentence and I would just really get down to the detail of what it was that they'd done and once I'd made my conclusions I'd then write it up because otherwise I wouldn't remember it (laughs) um yeah and so that is how I got started does that answer your question I don't know absolutely I mean the it raises a lot more questions, which is good because <laughs> it means we've got more to talk about. But what I guess from that, one question that I do want to ask is why? Why would you drill? I mean, obviously, I, I'm very, very similar. And, and you mentioned people that think it's sacrilege to to write on books. I am one of those people who thinks that. But my mind is changing because I've got a shelf full of pristine books that I won't crack the spine. It terrifies me. I, I love books being a condition. Um, but I'm now getting to the point where I've read a lot of books but I know that I've seen certain passages. I've know that I've seen certain things where I've stopped mid book and gone, this is absolutely beautiful. I know there was one um, recently I read in Adam Neville's The Ritual, which was absolutely gorgeous. And I know what that is because it's an entire chapter. But to be able to stop and then pencil all those down and start to deconstruct everything, what was it that, that made you want to go into that that level of, of working um, out? Wanting to be a better writer, I want to be the best possible writer I can be. I don't, um, I like to be the best at whatever I'm doing. God, you told me you'd get to the core of me. You really are. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not ashamed. I do. I want to be the best writer I possibly can be. And the only way to do that is to learn as much as possible. And yes, you can go and you can um, read lots of craft books. And I do. And I love craft books but also the other part of you has to see it in practice Mm -hmm. and so how one writer can use one technique might be completely different to the way another writer uses a technique and and that's really what I was looking for what techniques are they using I don't want to mimic their style I want to use I want to steal their technique what is it how are what are they doing with the placement of words or the grammar or the the juxtapositions or the alliteration or whatever it is so for me it was more about understanding the different ways you could um, pull out techniques and then comparing those against other writers. So sometimes a blog post would it would include quotes from four different books where I'd seen, you know, similar techniques or, or whatever. Um, also, I don't crack my book spines because I think that is sacrilege. So I'm a total hypocrite. But yeah, I, I, I will I will happily mark my book with pencil, but God forbid I crack the spine. It hurts. It um, hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. Mm. Um, my wife as well, when we go on holiday, she will usually read one or two books and, and she will literally bend the spine. She comes back and there are pages falling out of these books oh. and I'm like weeping and like mm. shaking in the corner because the, the books are ruined. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, tangent, sorry. No, I had, a, I had a friend recently who asked to borrow um, my copy of It by Stephen King. And obviously, this is like a seven, eight hundred page book. And he doesn't really read that often. And I, I said to him, I'm fine with you borrowing it. But literally, if you crack the spine, he's never, <laughs> he, he just said no and bought his own version. Yeah. And then inside, I'm going, thank fuck for that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, essentially, what, what I'm hearing about the, the whole blogging journey from yourself, and obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you went out onto this venture with a very, very selfish cause which isn't a bad thing um but it was very much a case of i want to find a way to uh remember everything i'm doing i want to find a way to work my practice and then other people just happen to kind of gravitate towards that journey is that 
yeah and like I don't I'm not going to apologize for that either because um I have to I stopped blogging for a while because suddenly it became about other people and I just lost all my love for it because I felt so much pressure to give people what they wanted and actually like I know that we have readers and we have to give them what they want but the minute you start writing something for other people it can apply all this kind of crazy pressure on you and you just you fall out of love with it so um i now um the way the way that i see it is that i write the blog posts that i want to write but i bear in mind the reader so i try to make them as useful as possible so i'll always include all of the lessons that i have learned in order to help other people not make the mistakes that i've made and so yes it helps other people and i do try to help other people but i have to drive the content from me mm. now i think that's i think that's a good like way to look at it and i don't blame you at all you don't need to apologize for any of that because i think part of what i look at when i'm because I've, I've tried blogging a couple of times. I've sort of gone into it for a couple of months and then just fallen out. And I think what I'm probably doing is trying too much to look at which readers I'm trying to please as opposed to the content I want to write. And I'm very much uh, in a different position now where I am looking at the content that I want to write. And it's probably going to be short fiction, potentially putting up and, and working around that angle because I, I prefer writing the fiction to the nonfiction. But we'll, we'll see when it comes to it. Um, but I think it's definitely... It, it comes across as more honest mm. and people particularly nowadays online seem to gravitate a lot more towards honesty and we had um rachel heron on the podcast last week talking about her adventure with sort of knitting blogs and everything else and how people gravitate towards her journey i think that's just something that is trending a lot more and people seem to like that authenticity in people rather than people who are pretending to be a thousand things that they're not just for the sake of it and then getting found out down the line exactly and and actually it's funny you say that because um i at one point changed my voice because so I am very sweary naturally and I like to make up swear words as well but <laughs> I got quite a lot of you know shitty snarky comments um about my voice so for a while I bent it and and tried to swear less and and I hated it and so I just you know it, it is it was a journey of you know self-realization that actually well fuck it if you if you don't like it don't fucking read it you mm -hmm. know yes there'll <laughs> um, always be another reader yeah exactly and that's the thing if you if you do the thing that you love with enough passion enough enthusiasm other people who love that thing as much as you will find you, you know, you, because you do, you gravitate towards the, to the people who, who have those shared interests. So, yeah. So now you have to give us one of your made up swear words. Oh my God. No, I can't. Um, uh, um, hang on a minute. You'll have to edit this. Sorry. <laughs> they are also. You can't just say something like that and then not continue that. Oh no, this is so awkwardly embarrassing. Um, you might we might have to come back to this i'll i'll, I'll okay while you search I'll, I'll throw another question at you and see if see if you can juggle this why why do you feel like you need to swear so much and i'm not saying it either way i swear a lot but i'm just curious as to whether or not you've got a particular reason why why um, i don't think i don't feel like i have to swear i just have a potty mouth <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe because I wasn't allowed to swear as a teenager so like my mum my mum uh wouldn't let me get my hair cut either so I cut it all off when I went to university and I've never grown it back if, if somebody <laughs> tells me not to do something I more or less always go and do the opposite mm -hmm. um I you know somebody told me I wasn't dressing corporately enough so I turned up in leggings and trainers and and at to work <laughs> and literally never ever wore corporate clothes again <laughs> so I don't know and, and now it's one of these things that's in great I mean I mean how long have we been talking what 15 minutes and i've only dropped four f-bombs I mean, impressive not, yeah it's not that bad yeah. <laughs> um yeah i'm 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 literally you don't have to find that one if you want to you could always drop one into the show notes i'll just add it as an extra <laughs> the notes afterwards <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but speaking of this rebellious streak tell me a little bit about the rebel author podcast how it's going so far why you started it and a little bit about what the show is all about 
So the show is a motivational podcast for all of the creatives out there with a little bit of an inner rebel. Um, I started it because lots of people told me I should have one because they like listening to me. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, apparently I have um, a good audio voice. I, I am recording my own audio books as well. And um, I think it's probably because when I was a teenager, I did um, voiceover work. So um, apart from all the ums I'm now saying, uh, yeah, awkward because I'm embarrassed now. But yeah, I had lots <laughs> of compliments. Some very lovely people told me I had a great audio voice. What they're saying about my face, I'm not entirely sure. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and fear stopped me for a long time um not wanting to do it because it's the thing to do stopped me for a long time um but I have listened to podcasts for probably six years I would say and obsessively and the last two years in my job I would quite literally have headphones in for all eight of those hours and I would be binge listening to either podcasts or audiobooks so why on earth wouldn't I I absolutely love podcasts so of course it you know like writing eventually you cannot um not do the thing that's calling to you I suppose mm -hmm. um and also it you know now I uh work for myself full-time it's a great way to still see people. Otherwise, you can be in your cave for a whole week and not speak to a human. Hence so, the origin of this show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so many reasons. I learn from it. I meet amazing people. I get to see and talk to people. Um, yeah, and practice for my audiobooks, I suppose. Nice. How are you finding the show going so far? Because it's been live for, I want to say, three weeks, four weeks? I think... It's been live probably for about five weeks. Ah. Yeah, good. I would love to take it weekly. Um, but It's a commitment. Whoa, it's a real commitment. Yeah. I think for each episode, if I'm being realistic, it's one working day. So, mm. you know, when you think about all the editing and the intro and, you know, yes, okay, I've pre-recorded outros and intros but you you know you do an intro to your show and there's you know it goes on youtube it goes on your blog it goes on patreon it goes on <clears throat> excuse me all of these places and all of the social media and the transcripts and by the time you finish fannying around with all, all of that it really is a whole working day so until i can get a va or something I, i'm not sure if i can uh, or if I publish some more books, maybe then I'll be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and having with someone that's been on the show as well, not that I'm trying to self-plug, but, you know, we, we did have a conversation for your podcast. It it was um, a different experience to how I go about setting up my podcast, just in, like you said earlier, everything that you do, you want to do to the best of your ability. And there was every level of it was professional from the beginning to the end from <laughs> sending over the emails with the promotion from getting it booked in um i mean this this show itself and and part of the reason i keep this um weekly is because i set it up in a way in which uh i've built it to be quite quick and as less labor as i can put into it not to for anyone listening not that i don't put effort into this podcast because i do um but i have tried to do it in a way in which i can balance that around my writing as well it doesn't take up too much time but like you say you're you you seem to be someone who it has to be absolutely beautiful perfect everything you want it to be and why why shouldn't it be particularly if that's the kind of stuff that you want to put out that, that reflects your name on it um and yeah i think having listened to the podcast having to having been on it it's it's definitely something that um i'd be proud of if i produced it but oh, making that nice. weekly might be quite a, a challenge <laughs> you're gonna uh, chip some coal off of my dead heart <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you're ruining my reputation rebel <laughs> yes <clears throat> i'm fine it's fine <laughs> but have you got a uh, so when you started the podcast have you got any sort of long-term goal with it do you ever look sort of far far ahead into the future when you start these things or is it normally um as it is normally with me, just an impulse. I want to do this and then see where it goes. Um, no, I I would say probably for a year I knew that I wanted to do it. Um, I procrastinated for about a year. Um, where do I want it to go? I I would just love it to be. 
don't know. I just want it to be part of what I do and who I am. And 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 like I say, I, I already know I want it to go weekly. Um, and I think also because I do want to speak, I think it will help um, selfishly. I think it will help, you know, because you're creating a body of work where you are talking. Um, also, I think it, again, selfishly, it helps with research because you talk to interesting people and you find out interesting things. Um, where would I like it to be? Oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have some big downloads every month. Um, yeah, I also, the other thing is that it was a bit about me getting over fear because um and this I'm stalling with the audiobooks because I'm afraid um so I recorded all bar the last session with somebody and unfortunately their house got burgled and I lost everything so I would have had an audiobook out this um fall so now my control freak perfectionist nature can't go with anybody else again and I have to do it but that means I'm also stalling because oh scary um so yeah no for me it was a um I like to always be outside of my comfort zone because I don't think you are learning and growing and developing unless you're outside of your comfort zone so a little bit was a was about me pushing myself to do it um but yeah I would like to look back in 10 20 30 years and and still see this podcast going whether it's in this form or another form I I love podcasts and audio therefore I want to continue doing it if that makes sense um but yeah oh god knows let's you know what in terms of tangibles I don't know some ridiculously high download number that would be, <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> That'd be wonderful and yeah. I have to say on, on my part as well I so I wasn't ever really into the podcast world until I mean, to be fair, it's been a few years now, but like four or five years ago, um, I got introduced to it by a friend. I started listening to the self-publishing podcast and all of those guys and going that, that route. And it wasn't until we launched the other stories of the podcast and then the story studios podcast, which came out a few months later with myself and Luke uh, Condor, which most of the best things that have happened in my writing career have happened because of podcasting. And it definitely wasn't something that I was expecting, um, just in terms of meeting people, just in terms of the learning a lot from the production value behind it and everything else. And I think like you rightly have you started a podcast i think pretty much everyone should at least give podcasting a go appear on a podcast listen mm. to it just i think there's a lot of value to it um but you did mention a couple of times throughout this interview uh that you have a bit of a relationship with fear which i'm quite interested about because you seem very hyper aware of your fears and the things that are stopping you how how do you approach a relationship with fear and how do you conquer the things that are in your way that's really interesting because I always think that I'm really unself-aware. Um, so I find that fascinating. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to pick your brains about that. No. Uh, <laughs> um, what, what, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> so how? what is your relationship with fear? How do you view fear? And then how do you actually overcome obstacles to get to the other side? Okay, so you know how we said that I was a rebel? Well, I I will not even let myself stand in my own way. It is a gift and a curse. I mean, I know, and I and I mean that so deadly seriously. I I I absolutely refuse to allow myself to stand in my way. Um, I, I I cannot explain it to you. It's this driving obsessive nature. Um, to as soon as I know that I'm afraid of a thing, uh, that that I will do it. Um, it might take me a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but you can be assured that thing is going to fucking happen. <laughs> Um, yeah, so and I might only do it once as well. So like, for example, my wife wants to jump out of plane. Why? I have no idea. Um, but we she wanted to go to this bloody like indoor thingy in Molten yep. Keynes. Milton Keynes. Yeah. And um, I was like shitting myself, if we're being perfectly <laughs> honest. I did not want to do indoor skydiving at all. Um, but I did it. And I was so good at it as well. I think it's because I'm heavy and like, like quite strong. So I was able to like do the manoeuvring. Look at me. Nobody can see me. For, for instance, <laughs> I am manoeuvring live on the podcast. Um, yeah. And, and so whatever it is that I'm scared of, I will force myself to do it because I don't know. I don't know because I'm sick in the head, maybe. <laughs> and I like I like the adrenaline. Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, my my relationship with fear. 
it's weird. <laughs> I mean, is it, have you, in any way, is it because you've got almost like an experience of overcoming fear and seeing what is good on the other side? And so there is like a deterministic part of you that is like, no, I'm not going to let myself stop myself again. Because I, I, I completely get where you're coming from. I've had experiences where I've been the same and there's something big that I'm not going to discuss yet because I still need to work on it. But there's something huge that I'm looking at doing next year that at the minute it's scaring the crap out of me, which makes me know that it's something that I want to do. Exactly. So I I listen and read loads of self-help mindset stuff. And and yes, there is always something good on the on the other side of fear. In fact, everything is on the other side of fear. But I think it's more that I have a very clear vision of where I want to be. And once I I have this, I was talking about this the other day, I can't remember who I was talking to, but I have this, there's two two traits I'm very proud of. One, I'm an extremely obsessive person and I make no apologies for that. And the second thing is I have this um, ability to make absolutely black and white decisions. And when I decide something is going to happen, <laughs> it is going to happen and, <laughs> and and it doesn't matter what gets in my way so i i knew i was going to leave my job and i was going to write full time and and that's where then the obsession comes in and i just go and go and go and and yeah no matter what even my fear and like you might not realize but i can i i i'm i don't have clinical anxiety but i have definitely been hospitalized <laughs> for collapsing because i've just had sheer panic attacks and all kinds of stuff but um you know i i can be physically sick before i have to speak at something but that's not going to stop me just mm. wipe the sick away and off you go darling <laughs> <laughs> suck it up princess i don't know i just i don't want to get to my deathbed and look back and go i'd rather regret the things i've done than the things i haven't done um and you know why would you let something like fear which is so negative and not going to help you in any way stop you from doing the thing that if you're afraid of we all know you want to do it mm -hmm. so come on you know suck it up princess off you go little bum slap there <laughs> <laughs> on your way yeah that's yeah. that's pretty much where i get to yeah good things are on the other side of fear and and adrenaline never hurt anyone let's be honest yeah. so yeah so what are your main resources for self-development obviously like you say you've you've done a lot you've listened to a lot you've looked into a lot have you got any key resources that people are listening who are looking at going down that avenue and becoming yeah. fearless <laughs> yeah so um i love jack canfield's success principles um it's a very large beastly book um but i listen to the audio book and it's just phenomenal um also uh and I might say her name wrong, but I think it's Tara Moa or Mohia. Anyway, she talks about, and oh, it's called, uh, uh, God, hang on a second, sorry. Too many books. <laughs> For people who can't see, which you're on the podcast, you won't be able to see anyway, there, there is a massive bookshelf behind <laughs> Sasha, which she is currently hunting. <laughs> yes, it's called Playing Big, sorry. Um, I, I found it in my one million books. Um, <laughs> And she has this very interesting conversation about fear and that there's two types of fear. There's Parhad or Parhad, I think, and Ira. And I forget which way around it is. But one is the type of fear where your life is in danger and you might actually be injured. And the other type of fear, <clears throat> excuse me, is this kind of tingly electric fear, just as you're about to do something amazing. So you get the, the tingles, the adrenaline, it's, it's, it's a swelling, an expansion type fear, rather than the type of fear before you um, break a leg or get in a car accident, which is a, it's a compressing type fear. It's a, you know, you shrink into yourself. And, and, she talked about how you have to lean into the expansion fear and obviously try to avoid the other type of fear. But it was fascinating. So um, I love that book. Um, also, I sometimes go on to YouTube and type in motivational, like, yep session or whatever <clears throat> and I'll just listen to sports people like yeah yeah you know do it you can do it and I'm like <laughs> hoovering around the house like yeah, yeah I'm you doing do. it <laughs> I can do it you know <laughs> um yeah and, and and on iTunes and stuff and I will just listen to to people telling me to just fucking do it mm. um 
all kinds of stuff and also <clears throat> excuse me self-help stuff it sounds weird but also exercise so I do martial arts and um this week for example um okay so th this is also an example of how I have to do the thing that I'm afraid of god why do I do this I literally don't know why I do it but um we have board breaking and I've never board broken nice. before and I <laughs> was so scared of doing this but um I have the arm bruises there's bruises all up here to prove so and and I had to do it and I broke the board with my foot my fist and my elbow and Amazing. it was shaking like physically shaking before I did it but that didn't stop me because I just had to make myself do it. Um, and also meditation really helps. Okay. What kind of, what's your meditation routine look like? Um, I, at the moment, I just do 10 minutes a day. I don't try and do 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, just because I can commit to th 10 minutes a day. And so therefore I commit to that. And that is fine because meditation is more of an aggregate rather than, a you know, if you do 30 minutes a day and you don't do 30, then you're not going to find any benefit. No, that's not true. It's the aggregate. Um, of meditations and I use headspace um, sometimes I don't I've done um, like I have my own place I go to in my head which is just like a lake with waves and mountains and blah um, but mostly at the moment because it's easier I use headspace because it's guided and they have rewards and I like stickers and rewards <laughs> I like seeing the street counter go up yeah exactly yes. which reminds me i haven't done it today <laughs> that's why i stopped because I, I was on headspace uh okay i've been meditating a lot but i joined it properly last year i think i got to like count 60 something missed a day and then got really upset and just like i know and it just obviously resets back to zero which is really frustrating um yeah. but does this so do you have a specific like morning routine set up or is it sort of just throughout the day when certain when you feel like you need certain things you'll you'll top up the tank um no so my this is the thing I'm struggling with most at the moment so I think there's two types of routine there is your day and hours structure of your day routine everybody gets up everybody takes their kids to school everybody goes to work and has a coffee and does work everybody finishes work they go and get their kid they feed their kid they bath their kid they take their kid to the sports they put the you know kid to bed and then either they watch tv or they read or they like me work again um that's one type of routine. And the other type of routine is more of the how do you put your work and your self-care and your mindset and productivity in and around your type of work. And I come to the end of six months uh, self-employed at the excuse me, at the end of this month. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Do you think I've got a routine? No, I haven't. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've got the first one. I have not pinned down the second one. So if I'm honest, it mostly happens whenever I can squeeze it in. Um, I During the week, I tend to do it after my writing, which I think most people think is a bit odd, but it gives me a nice, um, like a barrier between, okay, I've done my work and now I'm going to do client work. So I do that and I have an accountability partner and we send each other our streaks every day. So I better do that today. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. I was just reminded you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I find that really interesting because I'm, so I hit my six month anniversary on the 18th of this month. So we're kind of, I think <laughs> in around the same place. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm very similarly minded in that. And part of the reason I asked that question is because I'm definitely still trying to find what works for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think what I'm, I've, well, this week particularly, I found something that seems to be hitting me quite well and seems to be working, which I can kind of go on to in a second, um, if you're interested. I but, am very interested. Um, I, I feel like I almost had a routine down and then my son started school. And I think your, your son's around the same age, isn't he? So He's a year older, so he's year in year older. one. Oh, yeah. there you go. But yeah, I went from um, having him at the childminders for sort of a bit longer during the day to suddenly having to squeeze in the school runs and everything else, which completely shakes up a routine. Um, <clears throat> but at the minute, my my get up at the minute is get straight up, go outside and do a minimum of a, a one kilometre run while listening to like what the, you, you were talking about, the motivational talk pod, uh, playlists. I've got one of those on Spotify. So I'll do that. And one kilometre I can commit to. It's easy because there's a small block near mine. It's like it takes five minutes. And then if I feel good, I, there's a route where I can carry on and I can sort of extend that. And then I'll come back home. I'll have a quick five minute meditation and then I'll sit and I'll write for an hour or whatever before he wakes up. 
Um, and it seems to be working all right for me. But I found that when I started trying to create a really strict routine, it was very, very difficult because the minute one minute slips off of something, it accumulates and you feel like you failed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the mentality I'm taking at the minute is start with a run and then just get some stuff done. <clears throat> like the run and the meditation are the core thing to set me up. And then I've got sort of an hour in which I can get anything from, I don't know, like 2000 words to 300 words. It doesn't matter as long as I have something done to get me started for the day before my son wakes up. And then you're at least rolling. You've got that ball rolling. And I can feel the impact that has if I don't get that done. Mm-hmm. And then if I sleep in and then I'll get Bailey up. And then if I then have to work afterwards, it automatically feels like I've lost three, four hours of that day. So my son is an early bird and I am a night owl. Ah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I have tried the 5 a.m. club and stuff. It doesn't work. Um, my brain does not shut off until about midnight. I have tried the 5 a.m. club for weeks. So I know that my body just won't adjust to it. And all that happened was I ended up in burnout because my body clock wouldn't adjust and I, I was just getting less sleep. Um, so, yeah, I, <clears throat> the other thing that I'm finding tricky is that I still have freelance work, so I'm not a hundred percent working on just my stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's quite a hard balance. And like you, I don't feel like I found the thing really that's working. I thought I had, and then one thing will get in the way and all of a sudden, like, I felt like I failed. The thing that's really difficult is, um, it's very easy for lots of stuff for me to pick up lots of stuff. So if the kid's sick or I have to take him to a hospital appointment or whatever, um, all of a sudden I'm picking those up and I've hemorrhaged, I would say at least one working week out of every month that I have had since I left my job, if not a fraction more. And, and, over time, actually, that makes a huge difference because what happens is instead of me being able to do my writing, I have to do the freelance stuff because that's I'm being paid to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just end up not writing as much or, you know, so, yeah, I, I don't have a solution. I can't even pretend to have a solution <laughs> here. I, I don't know what the solution is. I know that it will come in time. Um, but, yeah, right now it's still a bit of an experiment, I would say. So I personally, for me, I can switch between being a morning person and being an evening person. And I have done in the past, depending on. Oh, my God. It depends on what job I've started. So I've had jobs where I've worked early mornings and then I've sort of had early nights. And then I've had jobs where I've been up all night and I've worked in bars and I've done all that stuff. So I've kind of flipped between the two and I've been okay. Um, But it's quite interesting that you've you've got that one that does work for you and, and sticks with you. Is that something, I guess, historical that have you always worked better later on? Yeah, my mum's a total night owl as well. And um, it, it even from tea, like, the, so I was saying I had sin, in, insomnia <laughs> as a teenager. Um, and I, yeah, I just have an affinity for night and darkness. And yeah, I just, I love the night because it's quiet and there is a blanket of black with diamonds in it. And I just, I'm fascinated <laughs> by the stars. And yep. I, yeah, I just, it, it is, it just has this peaceful, there is even an acknowledgement in one of my books to midnight because I literally wrote the book at midnight every night for weeks and weeks and weeks. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know, it's like, it's like I get all of this energy at night and it's it's frustrating because what usually happens now is that I'm my brain is tired and 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 I'm full of energy which is a a weird kind of um juxtaposition to be in um whereas before when I was in my corporate day job I didn't have to use my brain as much Yes. Um, so I would. I, that's when I wrote all my books because I was full of energy and my and I still had brain power left. Um, whereas now I'm doing like go 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 all throughout the day. So even though I wake up, um, yeah, uh, my brain doesn't really have the go power anymore. Like I quite often have to use. I use CBD oil sometimes. I use like I've got like a lavendery sleep spray and all kinds of stuff just because otherwise my brain won't turn off. And that's the only downside of my martial arts because God forbid I work really hard, which I obviously do. Um, and then I have like these endorphins pumping around my body <laughs> and I'm just 
fuck there is no way I'm going to sleep so it's horrendous like I love the training and uh, I just can't sleep I'm like wired afterwards but yeah <laughs> so what is it about martial arts why did you pick martial arts is, is was it something you've always done or is it sort of a hobby you thought you'd pick up as you were <clears throat> I've only ever been good at two sports uh, like I swear I was an assassin in my past life <laughs> like the other sport I'm really good at is shooting <laughs> Like I can literally shoot like a gnat off a flea's ass from like 800 meters away with just an iron sight, no scope, no nothing. I've got um, I've got like my NRA marksman and stuff from when I was younger. But yeah, so the other sport I did when I was a teenager was taekwondo, and um, my teacher left, and we had a new teacher, and uh, we didn't really see eye to eye. So I stopped, and I it's one of my regrets. And when I went self-employed, I had basically stopped doing sports, which is where all my lovely chins come from. Um, And because basically I sacrificed everything in order to just focus on growing a writing business. So I stopped the sports and I put on the writer's spread. And so I knew I had to do something. And I looked and looked and looked and I looked at various different sports and I looked at going to the gym again. And I was just like, oh, you know, taekwondo there's going to be a whole club there there's going to be people which means I will have to speak to humans and I first found a karate club and whether it was the universe or what but basically the days just didn't work out and then I went back online and searched and found a taekwondo club and so it feels quite serendipitous that actually Mm. I'm I'm finally going to be able to get the belt that I've always wanted for the sport that I've always wanted. So, yeah. Beautiful. One thing I did want to ask, and I'm I'm aware that we're coming up to the end of our time together, um, is I've, so I've commented a lot on your Instagram and we message each other backwards and forwards on Instagram occasionally um, when we post some serious pictures, some funny (laughs) pictures, depends what we put up. But one of the things that I do find very, very interesting is your writing process. Because you have a little chalkboard thing yeah. that, you, that you mark a lot of your chapters on that you bring some back and you write them back on. And it seems to be quite a fluid process. But I just wondered if you could spend a couple of minutes just letting us know what that process looks like. Because I'm I'm always interested in how people plan their books because I'm still trying to find the way that works for me. And yeah. you seem to have quite a foresight of what your book is going to bring and, and what to expect from each chapter. So I have two completely separate writing processes. So do you want me to give you a whirlwind of both or just yes. one? Or Okay. So for my nonfiction, it's much more structured. So there is a topic. Um, usually it's a topic that I want to get better at or learn more about or have a massive rant, which was what my villains book was. Anyway, <laughs> and so <clears throat> what will happen is I will do a shit ton of research. I will buy all of the books. I will read all of the books. And I do that quote thingy that I was saying, how I type up all of the notes and I will section those notes. And then I go to the book and I will chunk out all of the things that I have learnt and I create a book structure. So for nonfiction, the structure is far more important. Not That's not what I mean. Nonfiction, you have to take people from basics up to medium levels, up to intermediate, up to complex. And you you have to weave. People don't think there's a story arc in nonfiction, but there really is a story arc in nonfiction. And so I, I find fiction story structure far easier to deal with than I do nonfiction because you, you have to know the content so well that you can teach somebody else that content. But when we learn things, they they go into our subconscious. So then when you teach, you then have to make them conscious again, because you then have to be able to explain the why behind them. Anyway, long story short, I chunk them all, I get this structure, and then I will um, flit between the sections and write whatever I think in those sections. <laughs> um, and then it's it's yeah it it is literally I just take the quotes and the lessons that I've learned and then expand my thoughts around them and then I give them an edit and it's usually there sometimes the structure will have to change and I'll have to reorder the lessons which is then a ball ache but mostly (laughs) I get it right from the start which is good because um I don't with the fiction um okay so with the fiction oh 
Oh, God, I like, I'm just like, I knew this question was coming. Like, I had a feeling you were going to ask me about this. I was just like, oh, God, how do I even explain? So I am very much like you in that I still feel like I'm trying to find the process that works. I have not written a two books in the same way. There is kind of a philosophical feeling that's the same. So I, I, all, I can't start a book until I know where it's ending. And I can't start a book until I know where it's beginning. That beginning might not be the beginning by the end of the book, but it's certainly the beginning when I start writing it. Um, I do plot, but I'm looking at a whiteboard in my office now. And there's, you know, I'll put standard story structure. So I'll put, you know, a hook, your inciting event, your first plot point, your realisation midpoint, all of those things. And I might only have a couple of sentences on each of those. So I wouldn't say that I'm an extensive plotter, but I will have some kind of a map which will tell me where to go. I then put that map away and I don't look at it again. <laughs> um, and then I write and write and write until I can't write. And then sometimes I'll go back and have a look at it. And what usually happens is um, I've gone off tangent and I have to restructure the plot. And it's this weird thing because I will actually sit there and rewrite my structure, even though I know damn well I am not going to look at it again. I don't know if it's procrastination or because I'm holding it in my head, um, but I have to do it. And I have to do it with my hands. I cannot do it on a computer. I, I, I'm looking up here now uh, for listeners. I'm looking at a pin board above my computer, which has post-it notes. I am notorious for post-it noting my plots. The other two things about my process are that I have tried writing chronologically and I have also tried not writing chronologically. And because what happens is scenes come to me more or less complete, I tend to write non-chronologically. So I might start writing the ending and then go back and write something that's 30% in and then write something that's like 70% in and then piece it together at the end. And the completion thing, oh wait, no, there's two other things. I'll tell you about that in a second. So I will then, get, which is this, I've been told off so many times for doing this, but I will then give my chapters because I more or less edit as I go. Um, I will give my chapters to a critique partner and they will then give them back. Sometimes I will not look at them until I'm at the end and sometimes I will look at them. I'm trying to not look at them now because what happens is I stop and then I go back and edit. And actually, that is very disruptive to me. So um, and obviously, because I've said I've write, I write all over the place, I have to wait until I have a chunk that I can give her at the beginning. So some so this time I think I was about 50K in before I could give her 15K at the start. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And then. I like rewards and I like being able to see my progress. So I have written little boxes that have like one, well, they had one to 43 in it. Um, and every time I get a chapter off, um, I cross it out just because I like to see the, the, the completion. Yeah. Nice. I'm a, yeah, I can empathize a lot with pretty much all of that because I'm the same. I'll have some kind of rough plan going in and then in about, well, the minute I start, I don't look back. It veers off. It does its own thing. But I think that's just the beauty of fiction. Whereas with nonfiction, obviously, you've got a topic that is, uh, I guess, there's sort of a the structure built around facts and evidence and everything else. Whereas with a fiction, it can just go in absolutely any direction whatsoever. Yeah, and and I I think I come up with the best twists when I do allow myself to do that. Mm. It's just a bitch because puzzling it together can be really annoying and. I do, and, and this is the only thing that I don't like is that I feel inefficient. So this last book has taken me a year to write, which I don't find acceptable in any way. Before <laughs> I left my job, I was writing three books a year, you know, whilst I was still full time employed. And, and OK, yes, I've transitioned. My wife's changed job. I've changed job. We've moved house. Our sons has changed school. But, you know, I still think I should have written more than what I have. Um, and when you don't write chronologically and you do have to piece it together, like I have restructured this book three times to get it right. Um, and but I know 
because I'm a rebel that if I write something that's too structured in terms of a plot outline, there's no fucking way I'm going to follow it. (laughs) You know, what's the point? So I'm like, I have to come up with something that's loose enough that I have the freedom to move and come up with twists, but also structured enough that I do have a direction. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are pretty much coming up to the time that we're meant to have. So we are now going to go into the most feared round of all, yeah. which is the quick fire round, which oh I know you're very much looking forward to. Uh, so what I have for new listeners is 10 questions I'm going to throw at Sasha and she has to back back as quickly as she can or I delete half of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready, Sasha? No. Okay. Well, well, if you get stuck in any question, you can say pass. It's absolutely fine. Okay. People have. Um, what was the last movie you watched? I can tell you that. That was The Addams Family because it went today. <laughs> <laughs> Unicorns or dragons? Uh, 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 uni gone? <laughs> salt or pepper? Oh, salt. Wait, no, pepper. Oh, God. Salt. Salt. <laughs> Go with your first answer. Sorry. If all of your work was burned in a fire and you could save just one book of yours, what would it be? Uh, oh, my heart would say Keepers because it was the first fiction book I wrote. My head would say Villains because it earns the most. <laughs> <laughs> How many pets do you own? None. What's your favourite book of all time? Oh, uh, there is no possible way I can uh, answer that at all ever. I have about 800 favourite books. I okay. just, uh, yeah, Delirium, Delirium. Okay, Delirium by Lauren Oliver, um, be, um, only because I learnt the most from it in terms of descriptive prose. I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favourite author or story or whatever, but it's my, it's it's a favourite just because of what I took from it. What's the farthest you've walked in a day? I trekked up to Mount Everest Base Camp and I walked a lot of miles on some <laughs> of those days. I couldn't possibly tell you. Also, I've done my gold DV, so nice. I don't know. We did 50 miles on that one and the Everest trip was about 100 kilometres, I think, or 100 miles. I can't remember. It was a long way. Impressive. I was thinking like oh, probably like 22,000 steps. No, that's <laughs> uh, tell us one thing about yourself that no one knows that is weird. I have trifophilia. <laughs> you know, so trifophilia is a fear of, oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, I, uh, right. Trifophilia is a fear of lots of really small dots in um, like very close, um, c- close uh, proximity to each other. And I'll tell you when I developed it, I had scarlet fever as a kid and I hallucinated mm-hmm. for three days straight. And my fear I had two fears Beauty and the Beast was another one that came out of it don't ask me why and um, Trifophilia was the other one <laughs> okay we might we might jump back to that in a second uh, what's your favorite time of year oh, oh it's a toss-up between autumn and summer I'm a sun baby but I like the colors of autumn do you have a catchphrase suck it up princess nice like yeah cool that's 10 questions Yay! just question going back to the trifophilia is that is pointillism close enough dots that it upsets you um if i stood close to pointillism it probably would be a problem but if you stand far away then it's the the image it's it's more um yeah oh god i've got images in my head now so thanks we don't have have to dig deep we don't have to dig deep (laughs) (laughs) Um, i do have one more question which is where can our listeners find out everything about you and what you're working on so my website is www.sashablack.co.uk and that is Sasha with a C, so S-A-C-H-A. Um, I am most most prolific on Instagram in terms of social media and my handle is at Sasha Black Author. Um, and I do have Twitter, which I think is Sasha underscore Black and Facebook. You can either search 13 Steps to Evil or Sasha Black and you can find me there. And my podcast is The Rebel Author Podcast beautiful lovely well thank you very much for joining me Sasha this has been a lot of fun thank you so much for having me I've absolutely loved it and I was shitting myself before this because there were no (laughs) questions so I hope that I have given listeners something useful rather than waffle I'm sure there's those yeah and that kind of proves my point about how professional you are compared to me (laughs) this is why I like I like this can go everywhere and it's gone in a lot of places today which it wouldn't have gone if it was scripted and it was just yeah I've, I've had a blast so thank you very much for your time thank you for having me no worries and thank you everyone for listening and i will see you next week 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Great Writers Share podcast. Next week, I'll be joined by genre-hopping fiction and non-fiction author, John Cronshaw. Don't forget you can get early access to every episode of the Great Writers Share podcast and the chance to ask upcoming guests any of your questions just by becoming a patron of the show. All you need to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare and support the show for as little as $1 a month. One more time, that's www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare. Until next time. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Jackie Johnson, the beauty talk shock jock, and I host Natch Butte, a podcast that explores the self-care space while laughing, yelling, singing, and keeping things cruelty-free. Oh, yeah. I gab with celebs, makeup artists, female indie brand owners, and fellow funny folks about what beauty and self-care mean to them, as well as what's in their bags. Looking good while doing good, we are voting with our wallets, we are buying cruelty-free products, and we are having a goddamn blast laughing with our pals while we do it. That's Natch Butte. This is the Natch Butte Pod! Welcome, baby. Listen to Natch Butte on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.